very welcome along for the first time in 2021, Porrick Horton. Good morning good to morning, you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. It's mm. lovely to be back. And lovely to have you back. And we've got a bit of sunshine coming through the window. Week. And yeah, how are things? Great gardening week. It's been great. It's it's really has. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, uh, people have been gardening right through COVID. I mean, it's hard to believe it's a year on now. And um, we've never been busier and people have never been busier in their gardens. And I think this week people were waiting for, there was, there's certainly an awful lot of lawns mowed. And, and, uh, I, did, I, did, I did hear a few uh, yeah, lawnmowers yeah, going yeah. last Sunday when I was at home, all right. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, the weather at uh, the last couple of week or two anyway has been, um, has been very clement. It's, yeah, it's been great and, and it has been such a wet winter. But, uh, you know, this, this weather is absolutely ideal. Now, the, the weather is to change for next week. So I would advise people use today and tomorrow in particular to get those outdoor jobs done and we look at maybe some of those in a minute. But the good news Deirdre is that garden centres are open. Yeah, uh, I, I wasn't lockdown. fully appraised of this uh, in advance of our conversation this yeah. morning. Um, I wasn't quite, well to be honest I hadn't really given it a huge amount of thought as to what the position was but uh, so Garden centres are open for essential That's items brilliant. so you'll, you'll find your local garden centre is open and, and people should shop in their local garden centre um, and obviously many garden centres are online at the moment which which is great as well. And, and I'm amazed, like we, we tend to have a slightly older customer, my age and older, uh, in garden centres, but they've embraced the digital world brilliantly and, and they're shopping online. It's great. You can sit down in front of a screen and look at all the different varieties of seed potatoes or seeds or whatever you're, whatever it is you, you, you need in your garden and get it delivered directly to your door. So most garden centres have a website now and, and within a couple of days you'll get your, your items delivered to your door. And I keep saying to people that garden the garden centres our gardening is still the safest place to be in your garden and uh, we, certainly with the weather conditions at the moment it's absolutely great so my advice is to you know, shop, either shop online if you if you don't venture out, or visit your local garden centre. Okay, and lots of places I'm sure are probably doing click and collect and things like that. They are, yeah, yeah, not so much uh, click and collect as in they're open anyway now, so people yeah. so and, people can go in. And, and to be honest, you know, and it, it's it's probably an opportunity just to, to to thank not my own, not just my own staff because we, I, as you know, I have a, quite a big staff. We've 160 staff, and in the year of COVID, we haven't had one case of COVID in the whole team which is fantastic and also the customers are, are really respectful of the rules you know they're, they wear their masks they, they hand, do, do, do the, the sanitisation they've just got so used to it now yeah. and they're we absolutely have. brilliant yeah. uh, you know they're, and, and don't spend too long in the store so in our store in Castlebar the Bay Leaf is closed the restaurant the Edinburgh Williams is closed we do have takeaway coffee certainly for people but they don't hang around too long they okay. come in they get what they need and out they go and, and they're very respectful and, and you know a huge thank you to them uh, you know, because well, very respect to my staff and also um, of, of fellow customers and, and so on. So it's, it's been great. And that's what enables, I suppose, things to tick along at the degree that they are at the exactly. minute, which is brilliant because uh, we all need, I think, for mental health reasons and for all kinds Absolutely. of reasons, it's very important to have at least something to hang on to. I suppose on the flip side of all of that, um, we were just chatting before uh, we, you came on air. You were telling me that, that the biggest challenge this year is possibly stock control. It is. It's, it's, scarcity of stock is going to be a big issue. It's, it's it's an issue at the moment and we're spending a huge amount of time just securing stock. So what we're seeing worldwide is a huge interest in gardening. Um, so gardening is one of those trends, not just in Ireland, that people have gone back to gardening, but all through Britain and Europe. 
Uh, and so there's huge demands on um, just gardening stock in general. I mean, one of one of the suppliers that we deal with, they had to take their products offline for several days because they just had, couldn't cope with the orders. But also compounding that, you've got Brexit. And, and particularly for, for items like sea potatoes, so there's a ban on the importation of sea potatoes in the UK. And, and I've been on Midwest before with Tommy mm. chatting about this, but um, we're seeing that. So, so there's no importation of sea potatoes. So the only sea potatoes that are available are those that are in Ireland at the moment. And um, my advice to particularly our own listeners is to get your sea potatoes early, I suppose. I, I spent a week uh, I told Tommy I was a bit like Sir Walter Raleigh going around <laughs> looking for uh, seed potatoes this year but I secured actually two great suppliers Irish suppliers uh, both are growers but they also um, have certified seed potatoes and uh, one one has all the traditional varieties the the old you know the records and golden wonders and curls pinks and roosters that people love but the other uh, supplier I got is a Northern Ireland supplier it's a new supplier and he has some really unusual varieties this year um, and some varieties I'm actually going to try myself but in particular there's a lovely variety called Vitabella which is a first early variety it's if, if there was ever a potato made for the Irish market it's a Dutch variety mm-hmm. Vitabella it means beautiful, beautiful life yep, yep. and uh, but if there was ever a potato this is a variety that is um, it's first early so you'll, you'll crop it in June it's got the really thin skin so for people that don't like eating the skin and all uh, the, the, this is a really good variety it's got a fantastic flavour it's a yellow um, creamy kind of flesh with a fantastic flavour but it's probably the best potato early variety for chipping so if there was ever a potato to get your children interested <laughs> in, potatoes. In, in growing potatoes <laughs> and, and, make gro- some chips. and growing their own chips, then Vitabella is probably one of the best varieties. It makes beautiful roasties and it's also blight resistant. So what more could you ask yeah, for like in a variety? That's a really good one. Perfect and, potato, I think. And for people that like growing rooster potatoes, there is an improved variety called Foxton. F-O-X-T-O-N um, so it's red like rooster it's got a creamy flesh like rooster but the flavour is far far nicer and um, and it's a really good cropper so that's Foxton and varieties like Cara and a lovely Irish variety bred in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. but named after a southern county uh, Navan is the name Navin. of the data. Okay. And again, a lovely flowery variety. So I've come across some really good, unusual, not unusual varieties, but varieties that are new to me and new to Horkins this year simply by, because. Uh, because. Because. To of get the out. And, and, and just go look, just and, go look and in look. other corners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so look, at my advice to, to listeners is to, is to get their sea potatoes early. The same applies to vegetable seeds. And they generally come in from the UK, and there's um, lots of lots of phytosanitary cert and uh, regulations around that at the moment. Right. Set shallots. So anything would grow your own. My advice is to get them early. And even if you're not ready to plant them, sea potatoes should be sprouted anyway. When you buy the bags, you spill them into a, a, a tray or a container, put them in a cool but frost-free location, a bright location, somewhere like a, 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 a garage windowsill type of thing is ideal, and get them sprouted for two or three weeks. And the traditional time for planting potatoes is St. Patrick's weekend. So we mm-hmm. can plant potatoes anytime from now right through into till about the end of April. Um, so really, that's the advice Deirdre is, is to particularly for grow your own we're definitely seeing um, some issues around that vegetable plants are available at the moment so if people want to plant a few cabbage plants or lettuce plants or beans peas the plants are actually in the garden centres at the moment Brilliant. and they're frost hardy you can plant them straight out of doors we are seeing some frost at night time so do 
be aware of that and particularly sensitive plants like tomatoes, chilies, peppers or if you've got small little seedlings make sure they're protected at night time kept in the greenhouse or the tunnel or in, in, in the house. Um, most plants are perfectly fine. It's only a grass frost. It's not that penetrating. It's not that damaging. So you can quite safely put seeds into the ground. You can sow potatoes into the ground. You can sow cabbage plants and all the hardy plants are perfectly fine out of doors. But do just keep an eye if you've got your favourite geranium plant. Don't be tempted to put it out out yet. Just right. keep an eye on that at the moment. And, and the sort of jobs that I would be doing kind of over this weekend, first of all, the lawn. So I know lots of lawns have been trimmed, but do get a trim this week today if you can. Okay. And ideally leave the blades a little bit higher, collect the grass clippings, put them on the compost heap. Because trimming the grass, like trimming your hair, it just, it encourages <laughs> a bit of new growth, gets rid of any of that thatch or, or, or yeah. whatever. And it just tidies and it actually encourages the grass to come back into growth. So one of the ways to trigger the grass, and it's not that it's going to grow excessively fast, but you just get get it growing back up. You take off any brown bits from it and tidy it up. Do get the moss control on, get the zero on and feed the lawn as well. So all those three jobs could be done in the one day. You don't have to wait several days to get that done. The pruning of plants, so in particular the pruning of roses, if you can get that done now. I I pruned my own rose about two weeks ago. The buds are on them already. Pruning apple trees, pears, blackcurrants, gooseberries, all of the fruiting plants, except for the plums um, and peaches and nectarines, those that contain a stone. But the general pruning of of uh, fruiting plants is done at this time of year. And it's a good time of year to put on that winter wash as well. So once you prune them, put on the winter wash and start feeding them any time from now on. If you're fortunate to have rhubarb in the garden and you haven't covered it with a black bin, mm-hmm. my advice to do it now and you'll get some early rhubarb, although it's growing really, really well at the moment. Good time of year as well for cleaning out the greenhouse, the polytunnels. So, you know, there's lots of old cobwebs and bits of leaves probably knocking around. So it's a great time just to tidy the whole thing up and start the sowing of plants because the temperatures are ideal at the moment. The vegetable plants I mentioned earlier that are available, they were sown about three weeks ago. So this is a perfect time of year for sowing the seeds of lots of veg directly out into the garden soil if you want, or you can start them off in seed trays on, on a windowsill and just put them out. The division of plants as well. So there are many, particularly herbaceous border plants, things like asters, hostas, the arum lilies, you know, the old calla lilies, virginias, geraniums, the ground covering hardy outdoor geraniums or plants like agapanthus that are herbaceous, which means they die back in the winter. They tend to produce multi-stems beneath the soil. But this is the time of year to actually divide them, dig them up, split them with an axe or a spade and put them into new areas of the garden and you've got yourself some free plants and it actually regenerates the plants as well. So the general kind of movements of plants, division of plants, snowdrops, if you've had snowdrops in your garden, they're still green, they're just going out Mm. of flower at the moment. This is the time of year we divide snowdrops. So it's a great time just to dig them up, split them, take them apart in little clumps and transplant them into other areas of the garden. And that can be done later on in March, the end of March, early April with daffodils or any other spring flowering bulbs, bluebells, uh, crocuses. You can, once they go out of flower, you can dig them up in the green and transplant them around the garden. And again, it's a great way just to, you re-energise the bulbs that are there, but also you're propagating the plants and you're ending up with three or four times the amount of snowdrops that you had earlier. And of course, when we're thinking of bulbs, you're thinking of summer bulbs as well. And again, here's something that is scarce this year are dahlias, begonias, um, many of the summer flowering bulbs are quite scarce at the moment so get your hands on them get them into the ground so things like that you can plant directly outside now are mm-hmm. things like gladioli 
nearine bulbs which flower in the autumn, the lovely blue agapanthus, all the scented lilies, so stargazer lilies or um, any of those. Pink Perfection is a lovely variety. Uh, Calla lilies, the arum mm-hmm. lilies we mentioned. So they're all frost hardy, straight Seriously. out into the garden soil and they'll flower through the summer. And then the tender bulbs like begonias, the canna lilies and dahlias should be started indoors now. So if you've got old tubers of dahlias, now is the time to start splitting them, putting them into pots, keeping them inside, you know, maybe a warm windowsill or yeah. a greenhouse or tunnel. As soon as they sprout and produce a couple of inches of growth, pinch the tops of them. So just take the, the, the literally about half an inch of the top shoots. That'll encourage plenty of new stems. And on those stems, then you get lots of flower later on in the, in the, summer. the summer. So thinking about kind of summer colour, uh, particularly from bulbs, and it's one of the easiest ways to get colour into the garden. And many of them make great cut flowers. So dahlias will flower from late June, early July, right through to November. And if you cut them on a regular basis, they just keep on giving oh, and keep yeah. on flowering. And begonias, as you know, yeah. they stay in bloom till November. We're often, you know, in the yeah, absolutely, and I think the, the autumn that has gone by, uh, you could really see that. They oh, were, yeah, there was right lots of great co- yeah, colour in yeah. gardens right up to yeah, until yeah. we get really mm. the heavy frost. Dahlias and begonias will continue to flower, and they're terrific. Even if we get a wet summer, they're still they're plants that just keep on giving. And the last thing to do is to sow some hardy annuals. These can be sown directly out of the door. So I'm thinking of plants like night scented stock, which is always such a joy. It takes about seven weeks to flower. So if you sow it today, within seven weeks it's in bloom. And mm-hmm. it gives that beautiful scent at night time in particular. So that's night scented stock. And you can literally just chuck the seeds on the soil and they'll germinate and grow. You don't have to go digging so or anything like just that. Just give the, the soil a light raking, chuck on the seed, rake it again and that's it. Away you go. Uh, scented alisum, that lovely white alisum. English marigolds, those lovely calendulas. They're actually coming into flower. People that had them from last year, they're beginning to flower already in gardens. So if you sow the seeds of those now, you'll have them flowering through the summer. Cornflowers, candy tuft, love in the mist, which is the nigelia. There's lots of those hardy annuals. So when you're buying the packet of flower seed, Mm -hmm. look on the back of the packet. It'll say whether it's a hardy annual, which means you can sow it directly out of doors. It's perfectly frost hardy. Or if it says half-hardy annual, it needs to be sown indoors like French marigolds, started off indoors and then planted out later on the season. So use the weekend, really, is my advice, to get outside, get the pruning done, get the garden tidied up, get the lawn trimmed, you know. It just, spending an hour in the garden, it just tidies the whole thing up, it doesn't does. it? And, and you feel so much better for it as well. Exactly. Yeah. You're getting your, your steps in. You're getting your steps in, absolutely. What better way to do it? Um, okay, well, the huge a huge raft of uh, opportunity there, uh, Porik, um, and we are taking notes as you are speaking. Good. <laughs> so, a quick reminder, if you're getting in contact with us on the programme this morning, it's 87 4141 text or WhatsApp or 0818-3055 if you're calling us and uh, all brought to you by Lawn Gold from Hygieia. Now, Porek, uh, lawns, I suppose, um, seem to be a hot topic. Of I thought course. We, I thought we might Everyone steer, has one. <laughs> I thought we might steer away from that at the beginning. Uh, you won't get away but from no, it. So we'll, 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 we'll address it head on. And a really good question uh, from Gladys in Belmullet. And I think this kind of encapsulates a lot maybe of uh, what's being asked this morning regarding lawns. We've just moved into a new build, says Gladys. Have you any sound advice for a large blank canvas of our garden? We have a poor excuse for a lawn. It is full of weeds, nettle, clover, moss, etc. And uh, they'd really appreciate your advice. Well, one of the consider- considerations you can you can have is, you know, what's the difference between a wildflower lawn and a wildflower meadow. 
lawn might be uh, surrounded by nice, uh, nice, nice flower beds and things like that. Maybe well, no, but, not what, necessarily. But, th- but think of it this way: so one of the choices we can have is to have the perfect lawn okay. with with no weeds and no moss and and all of that, and keep it trimmed, and that can look really well. And and many people aspire for that. But one of the considerations you could also have is a wildflower lawn. So the idea, the concept here is that rather than letting grow to like a meadow and and three feet tall type of thing and growing wild, you can manage your lawn in a way that you you mow it less frequently and you encourage the uh, particularly the creeping uh, weeds to flower and add colour to the lawn. So the idea is that you would trim it at this time of year, you give it a trim as, as you would your, the normal lawn. Yep. And that encourages not just the grass to grow, it encourages the weeds to start growing as well. So things like daisies and dandelions, which are quite pretty, but also very beneficial. And so so you would cut at this time of year, you'd cut again in April, and then you'd leave the lawn alone for about three weeks. And that would allow the daisies and dandelions to flower. Yes. You'd trim it again then around the middle of June. Right. And by trimming it a second, at that time in June, not only are you tidying up the lawn, but you're actually stimulating the weeds to grow again. So you're taking the old flowers off them and the dandelions and daisies will actually come back into flower again. Because the function of any plant is to produce seed. So if we stop them, though even the weeds producing mm. seed, they'll st- actually start coming back into flower again. So plants like clover um, would flower several times in the year, particularly if it's trimmed. And interestingly enough with clover, the honeybee, when the clover comes into flower early in the spring in April, the honeybee, the tongue is not long enough to get into the nectar. The bumblebee can get into it, oh. but the poor old honeybee can't. But if you trim clover in April and let it reflower again, the flower is smaller and the honeybee the can, get can actually get at the nectar. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. So you have an option to, or Gladys maybe has an option of considering having a wildflower lawn rather than a meadow, a lawn. So you still manage it. You cut it less, so it's easier to manage. You allow the grass okay to come a little bit taller. You allow the weeds to come taller. But then you, but once they're going out of flower, you trim it again. And so you keep it tidy, but at the same time, you're allowing the wildflowers. Yes. And you could introduce bulbs, so crocuses at this time of year and snowdrops and all the spring winter aconites that would flower from December right through until April. So you've got this really pretty lawn in flower in the spring the other, the normal weeds will come into flower during the kind of late spring, summer sort of period and you manage it that way. So that would be an option and I think it would look quite well in Balmollet okay. of all places. <laughs> now the other thing that Gladys should consider doing is obviously the um, shelter will be important yeah. in the new lawn so putting in shelter particularly in Balmollet because that's going to, the more shelter the garden it, you know, that equals the amount of variety of plants that you can grow. So the more shelter the site, the more range of plants you can grow and obviously stick to seaside hedging plants like Iliagnus or Grislinia or Escalonia and also seaside garden plants like our fuchsias and hydrangeas and all those lovely plants that we associate with the with seaside the areas. Okay. Uh, for those people then <laughs> who maybe have uh, have taken all uh, that information about the yeah. wildflower say lawn on board and say, mm, yeah, not, not this year, okay. I think I'd like to uh, maintain the more traditional right. opportunity. Yeah. So I had a day off on Monday. Believe it or not, I put 38,000 steps up on my 
<laughs> walking oh, around Lord. the garden. But one of the things I did was the lawn. So trim the lawn, as exactly like I said, set the mower a little bit higher than normal, trim the lawn, took the grass off, put on the compost heap, put on the zero straight away and put on the lawn feed. That's what people should be doing. They're the steps to keep the lawn maintained. The zero will kill the moss overnight. It'll also help to green it up. And the lawn feeds are designed to feed over a three-month period. So if you feed your lawn now, it should hold that colour well into May and you can give it a second feed at that time of year. And that's the kind of the traditional. And then, you know, once a week, once every 10 days, just give it a light trimming. It's about staying on top of the lawn if you want to keep it really tidy, not leaving it for two weeks and coming back to it again. So if you want to keep that lovely rich green lawn, then uh, you know, uh, regular mowing, using the zero and feeding it will, will control it. I'm not a big advocate for using the weed, you know, controlling the weeds. Mm. I mean, let the weeds flower, let the, let the bees let have the them. Bees. You know, they're green. Unless, unless a weed is really taking over lawn, there's no real need to <clears throat> to be, you know, to be going crazy, to go crazy and spraying it with weed killers and so on. Okay, yeah. The zero is not a pesticide, so it doesn't damage um, bees or butterflies or anything like that. You know, it's 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 actually it's actually made from uh, uh, chlorated iron, so it's actually a, a nutrition, but it just happens to kill moss as well. Okay, wow. So okay. it gives so a lovely green colour to the lawn. Yeah, right. That's why that's that's why. You and have this weekend would be ideal. Ideal to get Had it to get on. on. Yeah. Uh, particularly with the, the unsettled weather on the way. Exactly. Okay, great. So I think that's probably addressed uh, the lawns and the moss uh, this yep. morning. So we will move on. Um, and somebody there who was wondering about a wild garden for bees. So I think that has also addressed And a good time of year for, for sowing wildflower seeds. So if you are interested in doing maybe a patch of your garden in with wildflowers, then this is the time of year to sow the seed. Again, you just rake the soil over, sow the seed, it germinates within a couple of weeks' time and it starts to grow from there on in. Okay, here's a question from Tommy now, and this is probably controlling grass, and I know there's a few of these questions as well, controlling grass that's growing up through plants. So Tommy loves alpines, Uh, Mm -hmm. the problem is grass growing up through them, even though membrane down, stone around, uh, any way of controlling that grass and wondering, what's the best type of decorative bark to cover the membrane? Oh, well, I, I like the really fine bark. You can get a, a bark that's, um, it's, a, it's called fine bark and it's nearly, it's like a rough compost. And I think that looks really well. Now, traditionally with alpines, you would normally use stone, pea gravel or stone. It generally looks more natural and also alpines, they come from the Alps. They like to grow in gritty, stony uh, ground and they like that kind of cushion of gravel. Alpines dislike dampness and wetness. So using bark, you're kind of encouraging that. So if Tommy's growing alpines, I would favour pea gravel rather than bark, to be honest, and I think okay. they'll do better in it. In relation to the grass question, there used to be a, a, a weed killer called Fusilate that was used to control grass, but that's no longer available. And unfortunately, there's no other there's no other treatment to control grass growing up through other plants um, apart from hand weeding. I was going to say it sounds like a yeah. manual job. So. Or, or if, if the grass is long and, and you can paint it with the gel, there are g- weed killer gels that can be used. They're like hair gel and, and you can just brush it onto the grass. But to be honest, you know, you're going to have to just pick it out, Tommy, unfortunately. Okay, great. Now, we've a small garden and I'm sowing potatoes for a second year. Any tips on how to improve the soil? Well, remember the potatoes are hungry feeders, right? They grow from literally a small little tuber up to three feet in height and put on a huge amount of bulk. So they like organic matter. So if if you've got your own garden compost, great. If you haven't, then look for some local farmer manure or chicken manure or horse manure, anything in that kind of organic matter. You can purchase it in your local garden centre as a farmer manure. It's 
composted uh, farm and manure. So they need a bulky um, nutritional compost material ideally. So in digging the trench, when you're digging the trench for potatoes, you simply put a good dollop of the farm and manure or composted into the base of the mm-hmm. um trench and then stick the potato into it and away away you go. The other thing to do is to feed them. So use something like the Vitex Q4 feed or a potato fertilizer, um, normally about a month after planting. So if you're planting now, about the first week of April, start feeding them with a potato feed as well. And that's really it. Ideally, you should be rotating the crops, but obviously in a small garden, you are restricted. And remember the potatoes, you don't need garden soil. You can grow them in pots and containers as well. They do really, really well. You can get yourself a simple thing called the veggie bag, mm. which is literally a bag for growing vegetables and if you all you need to do is put a layer of compost put three or four tubers of potato the vitabella another layer of compost another layer of tubers so you're building them up into two layers and finally top it off with a layer of compost zip up the bag leave it outside come back in June <laughs> and you'll have spuds no, you'll have to water them obviously yeah. but apart from that they're really easy to grow in, in tubs and That's containers right. and um, it doesn't have to be a big project and ridges exactly, and all that kind exactly. of thing so you can literally grow them on your balcony or patio or out in your decking if you want just to have a, again a novel thing to do with the kids particularly early varieties like Sharps Express or Home Guard or that Vitabella I mentioned really good little project to do. Now we've got a photograph in of an area um, and this listener would like to put a tree on the patio in the corner so that they've given us a photograph of the corner. There's a good bit of I suppose stonework around. Any suggestions on what size of a pot should I keep it to evergreen due to shedding of leaves? Yeah it's a a very good point. I mean first of all try to get a pot as large as possible so because generally putting a tree into the garden or into a pot you've got that wind factor and, and the, the pot literally being tilted over. Um, if you want to grow, get something evergreen, you've got nice um, shaped plants. So plants like, uh, there's a lovely um, ligustrum, uh, wax-leafed privet uh, called ligustrum texum. Think Ooh, of Texas, yeah. Texum. It's got waxy leaves, white flowers. It's evergreen. It can be trimmed and shaped. You can get it in different shapes, as it were, like a lollipop shape, so a nice central stem. And central stem with a round head gives you the ability to plant around the base of the pot as well. So you can plant some summer bedding colour like violas or summer pansies or whatever around the base of the plant. So that's a really nice plant. Euonymus, you get those in lollipop shapes as well. Again, they're evergreen um, and really colourful. Outside my own patio door, I have two Fortini Red Robins. They're six feet tall. Um, a nice clean stem, round head. And again, I, I generally plant the base of the container with a bit of summer colour. So there's lots of evergreen plants. My advice, pop into your local garden centre, have a chat with them. I also think that Japanese maples are beautiful in I pots. I think so too. Even well. though they are deciduous, yeah. um, but at the same time, they look really, really well uh, in a pot and they do exceptionally well in, in, say, a terracotta pot or a glazed pot. So that would be a consideration as well, particularly the purple leaf varieties like Palmatum or um, Blood Good is a, is a really nice red leaf variety that comes into leaf in April and holds the leaf well into October, November. And I suppose with those ones, uh, it's uh, they're not fast growing, so no. you wouldn't have to be changing the pot exactly. all the time. They're very, very compact and, and they last for many, many years in pots and they'll still make a decent size. The other consideration you could do is put in a fruiting plant, you know, a family mm. apple tree or something like that and surround it with strawberries would be a lovely mix as well. Great. Now, somebody is wondering, a gaura plant, a free folk rosy, it's been covered with fleece, but it appears dead, wondering will it come back? It should do. Um, I mean, putting the garden fleece on it will, will certainly protect it. And, and the frost hasn't been that heavy, so I think just give it a couple of weeks and it'll be perfectly fine. Okay. Um, 
Now, a couple of hedging questions yep. there by the looks of things. Somebody wondering um, about a feed for an Escalonia hedge that has got a hard pruning back okay. and also a white thorn hedge that's planted for 10 years, never flowered. Wondering if I'm causing the problem by pruning it yes. at this time of year. Yeah. Yes, yeah. John, you are. Yes, John, you are. So <laughs> spring flowering plants, think of it this way. Anything that flowers from January to June, we consider spring flowering. So for Scythia or, or, or Whitethorn or cherry trees are all considered spring flowering. And the time to prune them is immediately after flowering. So if you cut them at this time of year in March, obviously you're cutting off all the flowers from the plants. So the time to to prune um, whitethorn is uh, after flowering. Now, as a hedge, and particularly with wildlife, you don't be cutting any time from March to, um, you know, generally to the, to the nesting season is over, which can be right into the autumn. So be careful of that as well. But you are removing the flowers, John, by prune, pruning it back. It's as simple as that. In relation to the Escalonia yeah. hedge, um, I would feed with uh, Pro 6, so the Osmo Pro 6, about a handful around the base of the plant. Escalonia are one of these plants that respond well to hard pruning. So even though it looks a bit brown and dishevelled and so on, give it a month or six weeks, it'll be back into full growth again. And give it a light pruning maybe in early summer as well, just to help to thicken out the shoots and make it, you know, because you'll tend to get after heavy pruning, lots of really strong upright growth. Mm. And just to to kind of make the plant bushy and really thick, give it a light pruning in early summer as well, just to tip it back. And pruning a laurel hedge for the first time, they planted into the ground from pots last August. Okay, so always when you're planting hedges, take the tops off the plants. Plants try to grow vertical. Their, their natural instinct is to grow straight up to the sky. So to get them bushy and really thick, it's important to start trimming them at a really young age. So as soon as you put them in, take a couple of inches off the top of them. That encourages side branching. So my advice really is to trim them now, even them off all to one height and then trim the sides as well. Give them a feed of the Pro 6 and they'll be perfectly fine. Great stuff. Um, now we're going to take a quick break. Just a reminder yep. again, if you are getting in contact with us this morning, 87 900 41 41 our text and WhatsApp with thanks to Bio Gold Vigor from Hygia. Photos are show some shrubs looking very bare at the bottom and look neglected. Two are forest flame and the other a variegated hebe, I think. Is there anything I can do with them? Yeah, and look, they're, so they're three little, photographs here. I think, they're a little yeah. bit hungry. And going back to what I mentioned about the about the laurels, this mm. is kind of atypical of if you don't prune plants back, uh, they tend to get that legginess and bareness. And hebes will be will be a, a you know this is very common in hebes. Um, so regular trimming back, particularly as young plants, gets them really bushy and full. So and the Pieris forest flame is is a little bit uh, anemic looking. It's quite mm. yellow in the leaf and again quite leggy. So. Both both require feeding. Leave the Pieris forest flame alone because that's going to be coming into producing this lovely pink colour. Now, once that colour goes off, once it's beginning to go that uh, kind of palish, yellowish colour mm. in April, give it a trim at that time of year. And Pieris responds very well to trimming back and feed it at that time of year with an ericaceous feed. And that'll bring lots of fresh growth onto it. The hebe could actually be trimmed back now. So again, take about six inches off the variegated hebe. And that again will encourage branching lower down on the plant and, and encourage kind of a bushier shape on it. And again, that could be fed with the Pro 6 as well. Great. Now we've an interesting question here about soil. Um, so this is from Beatrice. Good morning, Beatrice. Um, welcome back. Great to um, 
Uh, my question is, some of the soil in my tunnel looks like this. So uh, there's a photograph, uh, two photographs, and it, it kind of looks like there might be a mould on it. There's a, a bit bark. of a mould, yeah, yeah, on the surface of this compost. So yeah. it's a mix of topsoil and shop-bought compost. Happened yeah. last year as well. Wondering, is it any harm to plants and can we grow a mix of all veg in it? Yes, you can. The mould is of no danger to the plants whatsoever. It's just a surface mould that's growing on the compost. And mainly because you're mixing the the um, topsoil with some garden compost, you often get this kind of a, a, a growth or mould on the surface of the, of the compost. It's perfectly fine. Till it over now. Um, rake in some Vitex Q4 vegetable fertiliser and start planting. And it, all plants, you can grow, you know, whatever you want at this time of year inside. Garden herbs as well. I think you remember yes. that Easter is coming up. You'll be having a little bit of roast lamb. So, you know, it's a great time of year for planting herbs and, and herb plants are available in garden centres at the moment. So do up a window box or plant them in the, in the um, tunnel yeah. or greenhouse and grow them on. Yeah, actually, I, I had planted some herbs last year and I hadn't really had very many prior to that. And I went out on Christmas Day and I picked some herbs and go. wasn't that just lovely? And the more you yeah, pick them... Yeah, and I, did, I, actually was, I, did, I have to say, I did think of the programme and you when I was doing it. I said, you know, this is what Porik talks about. Yeah, yeah, so, and that's it. The more you trim them, the more they keep growing and the better the flavour as well. So it's a great time of year for planting herbs. Now, here's a really interesting question from Declan. Good morning to you, Declan. Uh, Declan says he's 70 and he would like to put his Belfast sink up on blocks and fill with peat and try a selection of vegetables. Excellent. So how, any particular tips for Declan on that? Well, first now, of all... He's never grown stuff before. Right, and, and remember that you don't... All you need to grow some veg or salads or herb plants is literally a container that will take some compost. So it can be a Belfast sink, it can be a window box, it can be an old shoe box if you want. Anything at all will uh, you can actually grow plants in. My advice, now because the space is limited, my advice to Declan would be to grow plants that you, you can trim and that will regrow again. Right, so rather than growing, say, cabbages or, or, or plants that are, are very bulky and you're waiting a long time for them to produce anything, grow things like speedy veg. So within the Sutton's range of seeds, there's a range called the speedy veg. They're, they're, there's about seven or eight different varieties. They tend to be cut and come salad leaves, oriental mixes, French mixes and so on. So I would sow some of them. Maybe some um, scallions because again, they take up very little space. Uh, some of the carrots, so Ronda carrot in particular, produces small globular carrots very, very quickly. It's a fast maturing variety. So things that will that you can cut on a regular basis or that will mature very quickly. Radish would be good. Um, you know, those sort of plants that will that are easy to sow, they're ready to crop within a couple, you know, within a short mm-hmm. period, or, or particularly the speedy veg that you literally sow the seed and you just keep on trimming the leaves and keep on using them right through the season. Now, rather than using peat, Declan should use a mixture of soil and compost. So ordinary multi-purpose compost, right. some garden soil, some good garden soil, so mix, mix the up. two together and then start sowing. And remember, you can get plants in your local garden centre. So maybe plant some plants, so lettuce plants or uh, whatever, whatever, you know, yeah. you fancy at this time of year and some seed at the same time of year. Okay, great. That's, that sounds like a really yeah, yeah, good, great project. Good, good project. Like the, the Belfast sink would look brilliant just planted with herbs. It would, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're lovely. Um, somebody wondering about feeding a yucca plant. Uh, what do we feed for a yucca tree? 
Do you know the yucca tree? Yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. Uh, indoor plants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of the easiest plants. You... Probably needs no food at all, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Well, it's one of these plants that thrives on neglect and people kill them with kindness. They, they overwash them. So a yucca plant looks like a kind of like a cord line, like an indoor cord line. It has this bare stem and a couple of branches on the top. You water it once a month. You repot it every five years. Now, liquid feeding would be a good idea to start now because it will be coming into growth. So, But again, feed it no more than about once a month. So when you water it once a month, feed it once a month until about the end of July, early August. And that's all it needs. And remember, it doesn't need repotting only every five years. So too much space and too much watering kills Kill the yucca them. plant. Yes. There are outdoor yuccas as well. Okay. So there's some lovely... And do they grow okay in Ireland? Oh, absolutely perfect. Yeah. As long as you've got good free-draining soil. They're evergreen. They're spiky. So you have to be careful, careful. the yeah. spiky edges to them. But they're absolutely beautiful. They're, they look like a cacti, like an outdoor cacti. Brilliant. So, uh, somebody's wondering about what's best for my rockery, please. I think I was in plants. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a whole range of them uh, available. And I actually popped into the gardens into this morning. There's beautiful plants at the moment, like obrichas just coming into flower. There's some double uh, primroses, which would be lovely in a rockery at this time of year. Phlox. The, the ground covering flocks mm-hmm. so there's one that just they call it moss fro- flocks because it grows like moss but it's got beautiful flowers um, a really nice plant all the dianthus the scented dianthus they're available at the moment so pop into your local garden centre there's loads of alpine plants available generally I recommend planting them in groups clusters trees of, of the same variety so they form a carpet um, and you know even the plants like ground covering rosemary there's lovely rosemary oh, right. that actually spreads across the rosemar- rosemarinus prostratus so it's prostrate it grows across the ground it's evergreen blue flowers lovely for bees lovely in a rockery it'll trail over the plant over the edge creeping thyme is another really nice you can use them as herbs yeah but you can also use them as plants as well Sounds so, lovely. Yeah. yeah, some really nice options. And just on plants, um, somebody wondering about begonia plugs. Are they available at the moment? or the is plugs aren't, but the bulbs are. Right. So the bulbs are available at the moment. So again, if you pop into your local garden centre, you'll have the little bulbs. You simply just pot them up. They'll sprout in three or four weeks' time. You can plant them out then any time from the end of April onwards. Now, how can I cut down a large pampas grass, asks Sheila? <laughs> or how low can I cut oh, it down? Oh, you can cut it really, really yeah. hard back. Um, so this is Sheila, yeah. So Sheila, no problem at all. You can literally cut it back down to within six inches or a foot of ground level, whatever level you want to cut it at. Grasses are great because they do respond by producing underground stems. And pampas grass comes to us from Australia, New Zealand, and they're they're burnt by the bushfires like eucalyptus. And they've got this innate ability to be able to shoot from ground level again. So they're burnt to nothing and they just re-sprout again from the base. So no problem. Cut the pampas grass down as hard as you want. Right, it'll do. It'll it's do. Tough it no, job it'll now. do it no harm. <laughs> no, right. no, no, no harm whatsoever. Now, somebody has uh, wondering about how long does a broom last? I have mine in for at least five years, but it didn't fully flower last year. Um, would I remove it, or does it take kindly to pruning? It, well, so yeah. Look, a broom is a short-lived plant, um, so the brooms beautiful colour in the springtime um, bees absolutely love them they're a great plant I think for filling a border you know when you're putting in new plants and you need a couple of plants to kind of grow quickly and fill up and add a bit of colour mm. brooms are brilliant but like anything in the pea family they're in the leguminosae family they don't live very long so normally you know five six years is kind of the outset of them so my advice really is to replace it they don't respond to pruning hard pruning you need to prune them every year from a young plant to keep them uh, rejuvenated but you see them as a short-lived plant. Mallows are very similar like that, Lavateria. Mm. It, again, a beautiful summer flowering plant, but it, it's a short-lived plant and tends to die away. So, 
Okay, great. Uh, somebody just says, great to hear you back on the radio. Springtime is here. It sure is. We agree, we agree. Uh, now, um, so my indoor plants have a white fungus in, on the soil, which eventually rots the plant at this location. Had limited success sprinkling ground cinnamon. Any help? Uh, asks Eamon. Well, D- a bit difficult maybe uh, without a photograph or something to yeah, know and, exactly. And white fungus, uh, generally on the soil, you know, you, there, there are things like powdery mildew or, or grey mould that have that kind of fungus appearance, particularly on, on compost. It generally relates when they're kept too wet. If you're keeping compost too wet, you tend to get that mould on the surface of them. Maybe if Eamon actually takes a picture of it and we have a look at it, um, some of the fungicides like Fungus Clear would certainly give some control of it as well. Uh, but yeah, if you can take a picture of it and pop it in. Now, I have an area of garden filled with daffodils growing in the grass. The past two years, very little flowers, but plenty of green foliage. Anything I can do to improve flowering for next year, asks Mary. Feeding them simply, Mary. I mean, bulbs, bulbs, um, so a daffodil they grow really strong at this time of year and particularly after flowering the leaves actually elongate they get longer because they're taking in lots of light as they're dying back then they're swelling the bulb for next year so the time to feed bulbs is immediately after flowering now yours are obviously aren't flowering mm. but you could start feeding them any time from now on with a, a liquid feed and allow them to die back naturally and that will build up the bulb and it will come into flower Right. We, have, we were talking about pampas grass there a moment yeah. ago. We've got something growing through pampas grass here, uh, wondering like what sage. will kill it. Sage uh, it grass. has taken over. Yeah, so this is sage. It's a, it's a, like a broad-leafed grass. Um, any proprietary long or a weed killer would control it. Now, the, the, the leaf of the pampas grass is obviously is not present there in this particular photograph, so it's just the sage weed that's there. So if you apply something like Weed Free 360 onto that and just onto that, it'll kill it without affecting the pampas grass. Okay, great. Um, now, carrots. Last year, my carrots got eaten by some bug. What can I do this year? Well, it's probably the carrot root fly, our, our old friend, yeah. the carrot root fly. And, and uh, now there are varieties like Resistafly from Sutton's, which is a very good um, variety, which is resistant to carrot root fly. That's well worth uh, sowing. You can also use some of the netting so you can get a specific net that fits over the carrots. Um, generally, the carrot root fly is a problem when you start to thin the carrots because the scent of the carrot is on the air and the carrot root fly comes in. So normally they're a problem from May, June, July, right up to September carrot root fly can be uh, problematic um, so use the resistor fly uh, that particular variety try that or indeed cover them with the enviro mesh once they're they've germination they're starting to grow and that'll control it as well somebody wondering should they set vegetables in a veggie pod now well, yeah, if you've got your veggie pod, um, start planting it straight away. My advice really, so the veggie pod is the raised yes, bed. Yes, I was going to say, for the uninitiated. Right? Yeah, so it's a raised bed. Um, it's absolutely brilliant because there's no bending. You can literally plant your plants and harvest them without having to, to stoop or bend over. Um, but if you've got a veggie pod, my advice is to take two to three inches of the old compost off. Mm-hmm. So remove that completely. Um, get yourself some fresh multi-purpose compost. Mix some of the Vitex Q4 vegetable fertiliser through that and then start planting it up with veg. And the beauty with the veggie pod is that the, the veggies and, and anything you're growing, sh- seeds or shallots or whatever, it's about a metre high off the ground, so it doesn't get any frost because the so frost at this time of year is at ground low. level. Yeah, and also it has a cover, so it's, um, it's ideal. But yeah, this is the time to start planting them up. Now, we have a great photograph in uh, from somebody and they've set seeds two weeks ago. Oh, brilliant. And you can see the seeds there yes. well set yeah. and covered uh, on the windowsill. Super. 
Um, so we've got wildflower mixed petunia, sweet pea, cornflower, all do up and doing well. Also planted Lobelia, Crystal Palace and Cascade mix, but nothing is happening with those ones. Yeah. I have them on a warm window. Would you have any suggestions? Yeah. So patience with the Lobelia. So Lobelia is a tiny seed. It's like dust when you're sowing it. So when you sow Lobelia and Lobelia is that lovely blue border mm. plant in hanging baskets or um, um, in, in for borders it's absolutely great but it is tricky to get to germinate it normally takes about four to six weeks for lobelia to germinate make sure that you don't cover the seed too heavily with compost because it's such a tiny seed um, so I normally covered with perlite and putting the cling film as the listener has done here or a bit of polythene yeah. over them is the right thing to do so petunias and any of the others that have mentioned the cornflowers they're super easy to sow and, and easy to germinate Lobelia takes more time so right. leave it for another two to three weeks and we, even when it starts to germinate it's tiny for okay. a couple of weeks right. before it starts to grow and then, so, it, and then it kind of takes and on. then it takes on yeah it takes on Okay, great. Um, just on the wildflowers, somebody else wondering, do they grow every year? Yeah, so so when you buy wildflowers, you're generally buying a mixture of different varieties. So you can get ones for shade, for banks, slopes. Um, so look for perennial wildflower mixes. So generally what you're, you're buying, so you can buy specific perennials and perennial means it comes back year after year. Now, if you're sowing perennials, you won't get any colour this year. So you sow the seed, the plants grow, but they don't flower until the following year. Okay. So my so again, if you want a bit of colour this year, you could look for a mixture of perennials and annuals. The annuals will flower this year, the perennials then will flower every year after that. Okay. Somebody wondering, are daffodils and snowdrops beneficial to bees? It, well, daffodils, not so much. I mean, the bees will visit them, but they're not really, uh, you know, you'll see them on lists for bees, but I don't find them in particular uh, beneficial for bees. Snowdrops, definitely, yes. Crocuses are absolutely brilliant for them. They're full of pollen. Um, uh, the uh, winter aconites or aranthus that's a really good planted flowers in December as a bulb uh, fritillarias are very good for bees as well generally single flowering cotoneaster any of those kind of single flowering plants do bees absolutely love okay great and um could we advise, or could you advise, not me, um, I have two large containers, would like to grow a really nice tree or shrub, uh, would have to, would like to have a purple leaf, don't mind if it's deciduous, I live in Belmont about 500 oh. metres from the sea, says Martin. <laughs> well, Martin, it depends. Uh, no, deciduous is actually a very good option because at least the plant isn't there for the winter. And it depends, the fact that it's in a pot, if you can create a sheltered uh, location for it, albeit that it's in a seaside location, um, you know, you can make, there are many any purple foliage plants. I mean, one of the best for seaside areas is a lovely pittosporum called Tom Thumb. It's got purple leaves. It's actually evergreen or ever purple, I should say. Um, so it's it's a beautiful ball of purple foliage 12 months of the year. In springtime, it produces these lovely apple green leaves, which contrast really nicely against the dark purple. It does superbly well in a pot. You can trim it if you wish as well. And you can actually put it in quite an exposed area because pittosporums do very well in seaside locations. So that's that would be evergreen, it would be purple. The young growth is, is apple green colour and you can shape it. And, and so that would be, you know, a really nice thing. You could also choose the Japanese maples if you can give them the shelter in particular would, would be quite good. Um, you know, so they'd be berberous with purple leaves, but it's a bit kind of rougher. 
Okay. Um, I just say Martin is slightly taking us to task, I think, because we hadn't gotten to his question out. But there's a huge amount of questions and we haven't gotten to lots of them. Oh, no. So, And I'm afraid that is where we're going to have to leave it next week. for this morning. But there is always next week. So listen, thank you very much, Porik, for all of that. Um, and the advice is get out quick over get the next out, few get days. Get out, gardening. And our, our website is horkins.ie, so pop on there. There's lots of good gardening advice. Okay. Have yourself a really good week. I will. Okay. Talk good. to you next week. Good morning to you. Uh, that's it from us for the moment. Uh, Michael Neary, of course, coming your way next. The very best in country right through until one o'clock this afternoon. Uh, until next week, good morning to you.